0: We find our lesson today in Luke, the 13th chapter, the first nine verses. And at that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did, or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Saloma fell on them. Do you think that they were worse defenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and I put fertilizer on it if it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. Let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we gather here, we come at a time that repentance is greatly needed in our land. We come at a time that people need to know the redemption that results from, well, a penitent heart. We are in the season of Lent, the season preparing us for the holiest of days, Easter, where the whole reason Jesus came was to die for our sins. Jesus came to earth to give us life and life eternal. He came to pay the price for our sins. It is strange that we live in such a time that denies the need of repentance. In fact, people are thinking they can have God without it. But the truth is, we cannot come to God except on bended knee. We can only come to God humbly and meekly at the foot of the cross and there offer ourselves in an open heart and a forgiving soul. So repentance is the call. When I look around the landscape now at our nation and how people are reacting to the culture, I think a lot of it has to do with the power of technology and knowledge and communication and the freedom people have now to instantly communicate. I think what has happened is that this has given an illusion of power where people think somehow their opinion can be broadcast, and therefore they can talk it into being. But one cannot talk sin into being. Sin has the ability to disable us. Sin takes away our freedom. It's like a hole. The more we dig, the deeper we get. And our society, our culture, individuals, each and every day, are digging a deeper hole. And the more they talk, the deeper the hole gets. The thing about repentance is the recognition that we are in a place we do not want to be. We are in a place that sin, it abounds. Our culture now is in that place. Our society is in that place across the board. I do not understand why freedom does this. Could it be that the freedom is not freedom in Christ, but freedom that we determine that's causing this? Could it be our nation through its freedom is not realizing the responsibility that comes with that freedom? Yeah, I know. A young person goes off to college and and we worry about them and they go off for the first time and they kind of realize they don't have their parents there and they're free to go and do what they want to do. I want you to know that I ate a lot of uh, hamburgers from Hardee's when I first went to Methodist uh, years ago. That first week I was away, my mom wasn't there to cook me my chicken and, uh, you know, my mashed potatoes and biscuits, and so I'd go down to Hardy's with my roommate, Neil McNeil. He was from Moorhead City. Neil was, uh, he was a fine young man. Uh, He was a wonderful roommate. Uh, He weren't my first roommate, though. My first roommate was from Boston, Massachusetts, Boston, you know how how, how they are. Uh, They're wonderful people. His name was Richard. I won't say his last name. And I come in there with all my stuff the first uh, a week there at college. And I come in and he looks at me and he says, what's up, cousin? And I said, I don't think I'm your cousin, man. He said, I uh, look at everybody that way. And then, then he, uh, I want you to know he offered me a cold one. This is Methodist College. This is Methodist College, Jerry. We know it's dry, it's supposed to be dry. Uh, and he offered me a cold one right there in the room and he reached up in the shelf there and he pulled out a cold one. And I said, is that legal? He said, we make our own laws here. And I said, man, I, I said, I'm a good boy. I'm from Harnett Central. I, uh, I'm Richie Cunningham of Happy Day, so I don't, I don't use bad language and I definitely don't do that. He said, well, you're not gonna make a good roommate and I looked at him and I said, "Well, I said, you know what? I won't be your roommate." And I grabbed my stuff. I didn't have a lot of stuff. Th- this is good advice for young people going to college. Keep it within a box or two. Don't it's like moving a house with the girls, you know, at Carolina and up up the Granville Towers, uh, ten floors. Oh my lord, that that futon put, you know, the monkey on my back. I almost didn't make it up there that day. I was I was hassling for, break. but um, I grabbed my two little boxes and I got out of there and I went and stood in the lobby, and there was this young looking guy walked in the door and he looked lost. He looked totally confused and lost. And I said, uh, and your name is? And he said, Neil. I said, Neil? And he said, McNeil. I said, Neil McNeil, that's who you are? And he said, yes. And I said, you know what, Neil McNeil, you're my roommate. He said, yeah? I said, yeah, yeah, we're rooming together. Where are we at? The third floor, second floor? And he said, third floor? I said, I'll follow you up there. I followed him up there, and I moved in with Neil. Uh, And about a month later, when Dean Perkins came by, And Dean Perkins said, "Uh, Jerome, you're not supposed to be in here. And I said, I'm not. And he said, the man that was going to come, he apparently didn't come. If you want to stay, you can. And I said, yes, I will. See, I chose a better way instead of the other way. Now, I'm not saying what happened later on in college and all the redemption I need now, the forgiveness I have to have. But I will say at that moment, he was a perfect roommate and ended up being the best man at our wedding. Uh, and he's a scientist, works with Minhaven, the chicken of the sea, a little fish out in the sea, and he goes out uh, with Noah on big ships and he catches these Minhaven and works for the weather, um, also the weather people, the weather channel. So we live in a world that there is a good and there is a bad, and we're called to understand the difference of the two. If you find yourself in a bad situation, extract yourself, get out, and find a good situation. See, God provided Neil. Neil came in, he needed a roommate. We ended up being best friends. He was a wonderful person. Uh, we ended up rooming together uh, and we had a good time at our time in college. Uh, he was a hard studier and I, I learned to study with some of his techniques. And here we are at this idea that repenting isn't just feeling sorry for self, which is what some people think. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Repenting is stepping forward in faith. Repenting is letting go and letting God. In other words, repenting is not when you're caught by the policeman speeding. That's an easy time to repent when the blue light is going. The policeman walks up to the window and says, Sir, uh, may I have your insurance and your license? I am so sorry. I didn't mean to. Those other people were driving faster than me. Uh, and the policeman's, Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, and they're writing away. See, that's not repenting. That, uh, that's not the process of saying, I'm not going to speed again. I'm not going to cross this line again. I'm going to follow this rule. I've gotten one ticket in my life. I couldn't have got more. There's chances I could have got more. I don't usually drive fast unless have somewhere to go, and even then I'm not a uh, just a careless driver. But I was going to a revival over at Black Mountain. I was in Asheville, North Carolina, and that lady, uh, you know, policeman pulled me over for going 50 miles an hour in a 40 mile work zone. Uh, and I promised the judge uh, when I went up there with the other thousand people that got called in, <laughs> in that traffic uh, area, uh, I promised the judge I would never speed through Asheville again. So I want you to know, John, if we ever go to the mountains and I'm driving, when we hit the city limits of Asheville, I'm slowing right on down and I'm going to creep all the way through Asheville and then on the other side, I'm going to speed back up again because I made a promise. It starts at the city limits. See, repentance is when we establish this place that we obey God and we say, Lord, help me. And what happens is that then God redeems. It always happens after repentance. Redemption does not happen without repentance. In other words, the people of this nation will not be saved unless they repent. There's no way around this. There's no, there's no uh, you, you know, just pass, go, and whatever. You, you, you have to repent. In other words, the culture cannot get to heaven unless it repents. And that's for some reason is being taught or understood that people can just bypass the repentance and go straight to redemption. But how can we go past the cross of Jesus? Because the cross of Jesus is our cross, it's our sin that he carries there, and his redemption is one on the cross. He redeems us. Now, what that means in biblical understanding and theological understanding of the Scripture, the Holy Bible, is redemption means God steps in our place in his, through his grace that we are saved. The way I've always envisioned this when it comes to the judgment that we each and every one will face, the time will come in the judgment that we will be called forward. Our name will be given. It'll be the day of judgment. The book of life will be opened. And at that moment, when we step forward to answer for our life for every single moment, they say that for some that have a near-death experience, they see their whole life flash in front of them. I can tell you I've had a few of those and never had my life flash in front of me, but it could be. But I can tell you my life has been dedicated, but even with all the days that I've given to God, there's still enough days I've done myself in my own way that I need his grace more and more. And when the Lord calls our name, we step forward. What will happen is Jesus will just step right in front of us and God will look at his son and say, by his stripes you are healed, by his love you are redeemed. You can enter into the kingdom. In other words, Jesus serves as the exemplar for us, and he opens the path for us. Now, people that are not redeemed, Christ cannot step in that place because they have not allowed Christ into that uh, redeeming role in their life. Christ redeems us. He makes us not only better, He makes us whole. He makes us pure. He makes us more loving. Not only are we a better father, a better mother, a better child, we're a better person. Redemption has total change of a person where the person is able to walk in the light again and find joy again and be happy again. And I can tell you, there is no greater, uh, there is no greater solace Than to know someone we love is with the Lord. To know that they are there and Christ is with them and their faith has seen them home because redemption leads to reward. And that reward here is this story that Jesus is saying. And Jesus is giving us the headlines. 18 years, there were those that were killed when this tower in Saloma fell on them. These uh, 18 people that were killed when the tower fell was one of the headlines of that news of that day, and people were thinking that when something bad happens, that means God is cursing them, and I'm saying rain falls on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen to good people, but good things happen to even better people. In other words, God, through his redemption, allows us to step forward and to step into the reward that is given for a repentant life. There's so much we need to give to God. I know the fig trees, sometimes we plant it and we do not see the fruit. I know it's hard. We go every day and we wonder, is there ever going to be a break? Are we ever going to get through this? Will this malaise of life somehow end? And I can start to see the fruit. And I can tell you every time you look at your child, you'll see the fruit. Every time you look at your life, you'll see the fruit of a life well lived. Sisters and brothers, I do not understand certain things about life. I do not understand why it seems to be so temporary when heaven is so eternal. I do not understand why love comes in parts and pieces, and yet in the whole, we know there is so much more. It troubles me that we live in a world that does not seek to understand, that lives in violence and lives in sorrow. I was reading the other day about different events historically in the 20th century of wars and massacres and all this as part of my history studies that I do. And as I looked at it, I was shocked to realize so many have lost so much in this age that so many have so much. We live in a time that. People have gotten hardened hearts and they think they're satisfied, yet I can tell you they are not because satisfaction only comes through peace in God. See, repentance is part of the Christian process. We need to say, Lord, help me, and God will step in and God will help. And when the fig tree is barren, we need to pray and hold out hope that fruit will come and the promise will be given. Even though God, he says, his day of judgment is in hand, he will cut it down. And why is it here if it does not produce? And we hold on for hope, knowing that in one more year, if we continue to work the faith that we have, trust in God, believe in God, hope in God, we shall see the result of this. I know it's getting harder each and every day. I know it seems the faith is losing some of its power because people are turning to other ways and other gods. But do not lose hope. The way of Christ is the way of salvation. And he said, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put some fertilizer on it. And if it bears fruit next year, well and good. If it does not and cut it down, And our day of judgment is coming, but we are not judged by what we do. We are judged by what Christ has done for us. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may grow in this grace and understanding with one another and know that repentant hearts open up the door to love and life. Lord, we know that redemption is at hand and the reward of love eternal is ours. Let us claim this promise in Jesus' holy sweet name we pray. Amen.